S-T-E-P, S-T-P, S-L-D, P-R-T, S-T-L, X underscore T, X underscore B, I-P-T, 3-D X-M-L, cat part, P-R-T, S-A-T. What are those, Jason? Jim, those are all of the... 3D models that you can upload into the Zometry Instant Quoting Engine. Of course they are. I knew that. I just wanted to see if you knew what that was. But yeah, Zometry is great to work with. I cannot believe some of those I've never even heard of before. Well, they get into a lot more stuff than just machining. Absolutely. But I guess you just drag it, drop it right into their website, and bam, it spits out an instant quote. It's fantastic. Yeah, I can't believe it. Drag and drop, and away you go. Go to Zometry.com, X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Carr. How you doing, Jim? We're still in beautiful California. We are. Yeah. We absolutely are. I feel great. Even though you didn't get any sleep last night, you're still doing okay. You're hanging in there. I am a trooper, man. I got this. We're here. We just got a tour of this beautiful industrial facility here. I love what I saw out in that shop. I got the sense that they're really doing some cool stuff here too. You know, we always talk about automation, so it's, it's great to see automation going into fruition. Yes, absolutely. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we have a special guest with us out here that we flew out here in the great state of California to talk about it. So before we go there, though, tell me something great going on at Car Machine Tool. It's funny. You know, I I mentioned that it was a little awkward leaving yesterday to come out here. There's a lot happening at my my company. And I'm really proud already in the 24 hours that I've been gone from there, how they're really handling everything in my absence. And thank God we have text and, and email that we can communicate during the day because I'm getting little granular pieces of information all day long. And today's been very good. Normally, when you're in the course of your day, sometimes you get that punch in the stomach, right? But today's been really good. Well, so I, I'm proud of you. You're finally you. you're finally letting go of the vine, which is one of the most important ways to, I, you know, is to it, grow. That's that, an EOS thing. Yes, yeah. I know. So that's one of the most you know important Wait, ways to grow a business. I read that book. Yeah, you did. I did. Yeah. And I'm executing it too. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Did you commend me for it? I did. You I, did. I'm I saying you're doing a great Thank job. You. Thank you. You can no, you it's been, to, in order to grow your business, you have to be less controlling. You, <laughs> yes, you're right. How about you? What's going on at Zanger? Anything good? Did you get any good text messages or emails today? My office has been radio silent, so I'm very happy about that. Is that good or bad? No, it's a good thing. People will contact me if they need me, so it's been good. I mean, they know know where I am, so I'm very happy that the company is running and I have great people working for me. I'm, you know, to be quite honest, I'm- You don't think that they they all have their feet up on the desks and they're smoking cigarettes, do you? No, no, no. No? I trust my people. Okay, good. I mean, I'm especially happy, you know, I have to say, so we've owned Black Industrial Safety Supply for two and a half years now, and that, that team's, I mean, my Zanger's team is phenomenal. That team is phenomenal considering that we've only owned it for two and a half years. And, sure. And they just they just know what they, they don't even need me. It's awesome. awesome. It really is. And it allows me to do stuff like this, which is great. This makes you happy. Yeah. You know, we always highlight a particular manufacturing news article of the week. What do you got for us this week? So this article is going to be related to the episode, the interview that we have for what today. A, what a coincidence. Yeah, what a coincidence. And it's from Business Wire, which it says is a Berkshire Hathaway company, which is interesting. So it says industrial vending machine market size reported to reach $3.72 billion by 2025. That's a big stack. 
that's a big stack. And yeah. I hope that the gentleman that we interviewed today is going to get a great proportion I, of that. Should I write down that question to make sure we got it? Because I don't know if you put that on your notes. No, okay. you can write that one down. Okay. But what it says is the rising need for downtime cost reduction in companies is expected to foster the growth of this market over the forecast period. These machines help to lower operational downtime while improving efficiency by enabling companies to manage their inventory efficiently. And, and it talks about how employee safety concerns are going to stimulate the market. So basically, people's concern for employee safety is going to drive the sales of venue machines to dispense safety supplies. Well, it certainly certainly makes sense to me. Helmets, that kind of stuff. Oh, so you're saying the way that the PPE is dispensed is going, going to, to be- drive the market for industrial vending uh-huh. machines. And, and, you know, I suspect that, you know, one of the things we've talked about on the show before, I mean, it's going to drive sales here in the United States, but maybe what they're talking about is that I know for a long time, China and some of the other lower cost Asian countries have not been as concerned with their employees' welfare in a manufacturing environment. So I'm told, and maybe that's going to change such that they're going to start taking PPE more seriously and they're going to look for ways to try to contain that. Well, here's the thing. We were just talking today about what are the things that we- need to do as a community of manufacturing leaders to retain our current talent. You need to respect them and you need to take care of their well-being, their yeah. their health, their physical health. And I think that through this type of automation, we're, it's definitely going to do that for sure. No yep. question at all. Absolutely. So should we move on to the meat of the episode? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to- Would you like to introduce, to, I guess? I absolutely will. So we are remote today and we are here at AutoCrib and we're sitting in his studio and the gentleman's name is Steve Pixley. He is the founder and CEO of AutoCrib. Steve founded the company while also running an industrial supply company, much like Jason's, because he saw the need to provide a better solution for his clients. Steve created an industrial vending machine capable of storing and dispensing virtually any tool, part, or supply. And since then, AutoCrib has grown to support a global network of dealers and distributors, and its machines are used by leading manufacturers worldwide, including many of the biggest names on the Fortune 500, and they have 20,000 machines deployed across the world. Steve, welcome to Making Chips. Thank you for having me. Steve, the metalworking nation better understands what your company does. Can you, in your own words, tell us what is an industrial vending machine and how do we use those in our particular shops? So the, I think at its most base level, it's, it's really an inventory management system that's wrapped in discipline. And what I mean by that is, is that we don't take the item, whatever the item is, the supply, the tool, the part, until we've done the data entry that is needed to make sure that that product is properly replenished and accounted for, whether that be a job costing system or an accounting system, what have you. That's really at its base level what industrial vending is. It's the dispensation and the, and the accurate tracking of inventory items on the shop floor or at the point of use. So Steve, a lot of times Jim and I like to ask people what their manufacturing story is. So as Jim mentioned in your bio, you used to own an industrial supply company, much like Zenger's, and you now are 100% in auto crib. In 
AutoCrib is a manufacturing facility. I mean, you're out there doing metal fabrication and assembly and everything like that. But can you tell us briefly your story of your time in industrial supply and the longer story of why you founded AutoCrib? Sure. We started MTS, which was an industrial supply company, much like yours, back in the mid-80s. Here in California? Yeah, here in California, in the mid to late 80s. And, And I was the primary salesperson for the company, running around selling tools, selling cutting tools. And over a number of years, we had really two issues happening at the same time that kind of converged to form the genesis of the idea of, of vending. And the first one was, is I would, I would go to my customers and they would, they would say, hey, Steve, go get me a hundred more of this tap or this tool or this insert or whatever it is. And, and my comment back to them would be is, I just delivered a hundred on Monday, that there's no possible way you could have used a hundred in three days. I know what happened. What? One of the machinists took that and threw it in their toolbox. Exactly. Yeah. So, so suspended inventory, right? Right. So, and I, I didn't believe that the employees were taking this. I mean, I'm sure there were some employees that took inventory, but a lot of it was just misplaced or lost on the floor. Every uh, guy had a little bit in their toolbox. Exactly. So after hearing this for 10 years, I, I came to the realization that these guys are not using this inventory. They're, they're losing it. And there's got to be a better way to track it and hold people accountable for what they take. And that was one of the first parts of the idea. And the second part was at that time, uh, a company called Kenametal, which I'm sure you guys are all familiar with. No, I never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, kidding. Was going into tool cribs and basically buying all the inventory under the, the idea of integrated supply, buying all the inventory, placing their people there with a software system, and selling my customer base on the fact that let, let them run the tool crib they can do a better job at it than the customer can. And they were starting to, to really hurt our business. They were taking a lot of our customers away. And I would go to my customers and say, look, guys, there's, there's no fundamental business process improvement in this. You shouldn't do this deal. You're just paying more for the tools. And my customers would respond back with, well, what's your idea? <laughs> right? What's your better process? And I didn't have one. So that it was those so two you went things. back to the drawing board and you put on the, the thinking cap and you said, hey, this is what we need. Yeah, we need something that takes the people out of the, the process and simplifies this and makes it easy. So you were the brainchild with the design. You, you were the one, you had the aha moment. Basically, it was me and some of the other people at Autocrib, yes. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. What pain did you see among manufacturing leaders that led you to that aha moment to start a company making industrial vending machines? I think that the big one was just stockouts. Their machines were down because they they didn't have the right tool that they needed. So stockouts were a concern, but we quickly realized that it was You mean like the CNC machinist is in the shop, he's running a two-inch shell mill that has six triangle carbide inserts in it. All of a sudden, he's running, running, running. At the end of day three, he goes to the plant manager and says, hey, I'm out of carbide inserts from the, this job is down. We're not, the production is silent. Exactly. That was what you're saying you wanted to mitigate. Exactly. In many cases, there was something that maybe we were changing the tool, changing that shell mill every six hours or every eight hours and something in, in the setup maybe night shift, something happens with the coolant. It can be 50 different things, and all of a sudden the consumption goes up, spikes up, and and we're using inserts at two or three times the rate. But no one ever goes and tells the supervisor that we're consuming inserts at three times the rate, 
And this manifests itself three days later in a stockout. It's at that stockout that we usually involve supervision, and they come over and say, "Well, look, you know, you don't have the you don't have the fixture tight. That's why why this is happening, or whatever the whatever the <laughs> and reason." The, and, the, is. and the instances are breaking down too fast. Or, yeah, right. It's, it has nothing to do with the individual running the machine. There's something else associated with it. But it, what it is is it's giving you insight as to something's not right. Something has changed because their consumption of this particular tool or carbide insert was 20 a week, and then all of a sudden in three days they've used 60. Exactly. Well, now, now you can get more granular with the data that you collect. So you know, if you choose to, you know not only what insert is being dispensed, but who's taking it. You can track what machine it's going on and a variety of other factors, however you, you set up the system sure. to do it. So you can get more data and analytics into what's going on so you can get to the root cause of the problem probably quicker. So back when you started the company, the machines looked more like, a, well, we they, the machines are called a Helix machine and they look more like a, kind of like your traditional candy bar style vending machines, but the, the machines have changed a lot since then. So how, how are those solutions nowadays different than what they were when you first founded the company? Originally, the machines were, like you said, traditional candy or snack vending machines. Over time, people realized, and this was more with the round tools and delicate, more delicate items, that dropping the tool like a candy bar wasn't good for the tool. And so we began the, the process of starting to design equipment that didn't drop the tool. So today, that's why we have carousels and locker systems and all different types of equipment to dispense different types of products. But the Helix machine still is out there, is still a good solution for a lot of people, but it's, but it's not the best solution for all cases. What percent of the, your overall inventory of the Helix machines are out there on the floors now? I would say it's probably something like less than 20%. Okay. And you're right. It's so funny because it doesn't look like a Hershey's bar is going to fall. But I do understand if you've got a, a half-inch solid carbide end mill all the way at the top and it drops, what would that be? Three feet? Yeah, at least three feet. Yeah, at least three feet. It's going to chip You can the, put padding there, but... You know, it's at the end of the day, not that you, there's, you there's drop, no guarantee. You, yeah, you don't want to drop your, your carbide end mill I'm, on padding either. Yeah. You, you, do you know what a five-flute high, a variable pitch... Iskar and mill cost over a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Easy. Yeah. Steve, what are the biggest challenges that you solve when someone's got a problem, right? So somebody comes to you, they've got a problem, they got a pain point, whether it's a stock out problem or anything else, what is the resounding thing that you hear all the time that people say to you? When you look at the, the pain points, it really kind of it kind of lines up pretty carefully with the industries. For instance, in the aerospace industry, which which is a big part of our business, what they mostly care about is the time spent traveling to and from the tool crib because their their labor force is extremely expensive. They they, they typically are costing their mechanics, aircraft mechanics, out at one hundred and fifty thousand a year. So. They don't really care too much about anything other than I want to keep that guy at his work center working all the time. Makes right? sense to me. If you look at a plant that's building something smaller where they're cutting tools, like for instance, a machine shop, a metalworking machine shop, right. they, they care about some things that are a little bit different because they have cycle time on the machine and their, and their employees are a lot of times standing there waiting for a machine to cycle. So they're, they're worried about other things like tool consumption, and making sure that they accurately cost their jobs. So the pain points that you're hearing are different based on the industry that you're getting the screaming from. Exactly. So from this particular aerospace company, it's the traveling, it's that 
engineer walking from point A to point B and back from point B back to point A because they're highly compensated individuals. All the, if you add up all that walking back and forth, you probably have a significant dollar amount that they're spending. Well, and it's not just the actual walking. I mean, they, they run into three buddies. They, they right. walk by the door. They go have a smoke break. They stop at the coffee machine, and then they go to the bathroom. Yes. So I, you've just killed 30 minutes. You also, That's pretty tragic, but yes. <laughs> you also have the time that the, air, the in the aerospace industry, they commonly refer to AOG or airplane on the ground. So every hour that that airplane is in, in the air, it's not making money. It's kind of a double whammy for mm. these guys. Interesting. It's, it's the cost of the aircraft mechanic, but it's also the cost of that airplane sitting on the ground. That makes sense. So Jim and I like to talk about acronyms a lot. And another we acronym do. that's used in the vending industry is FOD. What's FOD and, and what does the vending solutions do to solve that? So FOD stands for foreign object and debris. And, and this isn't just in the aerospace industry. It's in the nuclear industry. It's in, in a lot of industries where it's critical that the, that the product that the manufacturer is making is free of any foreign object or debris that may damage that product in its use. So vending systems can and, and do today manage the process of making sure that all of the tools and supplies get back to the vending machine and kind of in a passive way ensure that the product that that the manufacturer is making is free of this FOD. So for instance, I'll give you an example. If, If I'm going to take three drill bits out to work on a particular nuclear drag valve that I'm machining, at the end of my shift or at the end of the job, I must check back in three drill bits if that's what I've taken out because vending machines are basically computers. We have 30 or 40 people working on that product over a period of three weeks. They're all having to check their products back in. Then we can be sure that we have nothing left in that product. I've heard of FOD before because we do work for Aerospace Department of Defense and I see that acronym on my prints. And of course, it's it's all about foreign object debris. You know, when we drill and tap a hole, we can't leave chips in the hole. Everything's got to be out. Or if it goes through a a bead blast or a sandblast operation, we can't leave any media in in the drilled and tapped holes or or in, in the pockets. But what I'm trying to understand here, because this is kind of new to me and I don't really understand it and I want to be clear, is you're saying that this FOD process, that your tool crib realizes when the machinist puts the tools back in that there's a foreign object debris on them? Well, it's it, And how does it monitor that? It, it's not looking at that. I mean, obviously, the vending machine's not tracking if you left chips in a hole. Right. No, no, no. But, but when you're putting that dr- those drill bits back in to the tool crib... It's simply managing the fact that you took three drill bits to use on this job and you returned all three of those drill bits at the end of the job. Oh, I, ha- I or at gotcha. the end of the operation. So that's that's what it's doing is is making sure that everything came back that went out from a tool and supply standpoint. So just for inventory control. Well, it's not just for inventory control. It's also hmm. to make sure that we didn't leave any tools in the Oh. So like when when you're having surgery, they have to account exactly. for the tools that they're using on your body so they don't 
Don't leave back sponge inside. Right, or right exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. Thank you for correcting me and enlightening me on that. Well, I mean, another solution, you can also use it to manage some of your more expensive, say, precision tools. So if you have a $1,000 bore gauge, that can be checked in and out as well. So that way you know that somebody has it checked out. And it, if it's sitting on his bench, instead of being back in the machine, you can manage that a little bit easier. Sure. Totally understand. So, Jim, you know we end making chips with our mantra, if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Yes, we do. And you know what? If you take too long to be making those chips, you know what happens? You lose money. You lose money. There's no accountability and there's no data. So how do we solve that? Well, I'll tell you what we're doing now that we've converted and we're using ProShop ERP. It's a cloud-based ERP system. So all of our employees, you know, there's kiosks throughout my shop. Everyone has access to the database of the flow of work through our shop. And everyone time tracks against work orders that they're on. Every week, Ryan and I, our operations manager, get together. We look. We say, ah. Jason, he he's not at eighty five percent. He's not at eighty five percent efficiency. He's taking too many smoke he, breaks. He's must he's, be another Jason because I know that's not me. Well, no, I had to use you. I didn't want to throw anybody else under the bus. But at the end of the day, Pro Shop is great because it's hard data and numbers and information that we can look at every week and try and get that efficiency to about 85%, meaning everybody that's clocked into a work order or clocked in has to have 85% of time tracking against a work order. So go to ProShop ERP, set up a demo, and Paul will be happy to talk to you. There's a lot of mixed messages that we get from a lot of our clients about adopting vending solutions. So what do you see as like some of the biggest roadblocks to that adoption? Or do you think that we've kind of gone past that point where there really isn't a lot of resistance? Or do you still see some some roadblocks and some resistance to, to getting these machines installed and, and working properly on the factory floor? If you look at a market, you really have five or six stages of a market. And one of the first stages is, is you know, you have the early pioneers that are looking at things from a product acceptance standpoint. Does, does the product work? Does it make sense? Do I get a return on investment on my, the money that I put into it? And so I think over the last probably 15, 16 years, we were really in the product acceptance stage where we were still having to sell the concept of vending. But with the event of some of the lower cost vending solutions out there, we've moved to really a product differentiation stage. So I, I would, to answer the question directly, I'd say that since we've moved to product differentiation where the customers are coming to us and saying, you don't need to sell me on vending, I'm going to buy a vending system or I'm going to get a vending system, you need to tell me why yours is better. So much like when Henry Ford built the first Model T, he had to go explain why a car was better than a horse, right? right. He, had to, he had to explain all the benefits of the car. At some point, he didn't have to explain the benefits of a car anymore. He just had to explain why his, his Ford was better than an Oldsmobile or a Chevy or what have you. And I think we've entered into that phase in the vending world. So now we're in a, a stage of product improvement, product development. Where in differentiation, right? right? A high end, a low end, a, a value line, those kinds of things, yeah. So that, that, that's a good segue into my next question. And obviously, different industries have different challenges or needs for tool crib vending, right? Explain to the metalworking nation and me 
what those niche solutions are. Like you sell these automation products to many different types of industries from machine shops to aerospace to PPE. What are the different solutions available? Enlighten me a little bit more where there might be an industry that I don't quite understand. For an application. For an application, exactly. So that's a that's a great question. So Autocrib, obviously, our, our background, we were basically a metalworking distribution business selling cutting tools. So that's what I know the best. And we, we have a, definitely a machining background. But over the years, we've moved into aerospace, medical device, mining is now a big part of the business. So all of these different industries have different needs. And for instance, if we picked mining, for instance, what, what they mostly care about is safety compliance. They, sure. they want to make sure that their employees have the proper gear when they go down hole. And so that's what they're, they're interested in is, is having at the end of a, a shift change, they want to make sure that every employee that's in the hole has the proper cap lamp, the proper gloves, boots, whatever he needs, respirators, those kinds of things. And not only that, but they want to make sure that if anything did happen and there was liability or a lawsuit filed, that they can prove that there's a awesome. that there's a record yep. that he did have access to the proper gear and he didn't take it for whatever reason. Right. So different industries have different needs. If you look at, for instance, the medical industry, one of the things that they're most interested in is is, is quality. They want to make sure that that their gauges, their quality control equipment is properly calibrated and they use vending systems, primarily lockers, to ensure that they don't dispense things that are not calibrated correctly and ready to go. So if one of their devices falls out of calibration while it's on the floor, the vending system sends emails out to supervisors and says, you need to go pick up this, you use the example of a bore gauge, you need to go pick up this bore gauge and get it off the floor. If it's in the system, in the locker system, when it falls out of calibration, the machine refuses to dispense that. It locks down and won't dispense that item. And it will track that device out to an internal or external metrology department to make sure that it's out and it's getting calibrated. And when it comes back, that it's ready to go. Now, you've done some unique applications over the years. And, and I don't think that these are going to necessarily apply to the manufacturing leaders out there running a machining company. But just to spark some thinking, I know that you guys have installed vending systems to vend firearms for a police department, that you guys have vended computers that are actually being charged while they're in the vending lockers. How did that come about? And what other kind of unique applications have you seen out there like that? There's, there's lots of applications like that. Everything from, like you said, police departments tracking firearms, but what's even become more important for police departments are tasers. They want to make sure that these tasers are properly charged when the beat cop goes out onto the street because if it's not properly charged, then he has to resort to lethal force, and that usually costs somewhere between 2 and $4 million if you shoot somebody. So they, they don't want to use lethal force if they don't absolutely have to. And, and so very, very key to make sure that these tasers are properly charged. I'm a little lost, and please explain to me again. How does your, the auto crib solution monitor the taser charging? So when the, the auto crib solution charges, has a, a charging port and can oh, also manage okay. the 
operating system, if it's a Microsoft Windows system or what have you, mm -hmm. we give the ability to actually hook these devices up, laptops, uh, iPads, those kinds of things, into a router or switch and manage all of the virus protection and operating systems. But in the case of a dumb device like a Taser, it's just managing the battery life. Right. So it won't dispense the item until it's fully charged. Got it. So that's an interesting application. And as far as how do we get into these things, it's, I would say that 90% of this stuff is just people searching on the web comes up with some keyword that, that directs them to our website. Wow. And, and they call and they say, hey, have you ever done this? And you say, no, but we can figure it out. But we've done out. something similar. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We've done something similar to what yeah. you want to do. And so maybe we could, we could work together and come up with a solution. That's where you want to be. You want to be at the beginning part You want where you're collaborating together, right? Right. That's where, that's where the biggest bang for your buck is at, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we talk about a lot on making chips is, is robotics and automation. So first of all, do you see the vending systems as just another form of a robot? Yes, absolutely. Okay. The easiest and the most, you know, slam dunk application is when somebody's using, like like you said in your example, a hundred inserts a week. Are these vending solutions you think only for those for those high moving items, or can you essentially use a vending system as a completely robotic tool crib attendant? So the answer is I used to think that way, that that we really the Pareto rule applies to everything in life and having a distributor brain. I'm really only interested in the 20% of the tools or supplies that move the fastest through the shop. Right, the 80% of the volume. Right, yeah. it's 80% of the volume, and it's 80% of the money and the spend, right? Right. But over the years, I've had to change my thinking because customers, whether it's a machine shop or an aerospace company or a medical device manufacturer, they don't want to just control the fastest moving items. They want to control everything. That's really driven our technology and our software to the point where we're now having to build systems that are flexible enough to take care of the fast-moving stuff, but also can store and dispense the slower-moving items. And if you're going to be in this business long-term, I think you have to do that. Where do you see the vending industry going? Yeah. When you look out one, three, five, five years even, and that's the way technology is moving, five years is probably pretty lofty, right? Where, where do you see it going? What's the next big thing? I think from a technology standpoint, I think you're going to see really hybrid technologies where, for instance, we use load cells today to weigh items that are taken and make decisions on whether the user took one or seven. We use vision systems. We use RFID, lots of different technologies. And I think the next big wave of technology is going to be hybrids where we put these technologies together and cross-check against some decision that was made by one technology with another. And I think that's going to really improve the accuracy of vending over the, and, and really when I say accuracy, passive systems, systems where we're going to allow the user to take anything he wants and then we'll decide what he took after he's done. That's really kind of where I see the technology going. And then from a more of a business standpoint, I see the market kind of bifurcating into two separate segments. One is the low-cost vending solution where a supplier can get a free machine if he buys X amount of product from his supplier. And those systems are fine, but they, they will have very limited capabilities. And then a kind of a top-end or a high-end solution where they're designed to solve specific problems on a plant floor. And the payback isn't related to how many dollars you spend with a specific supplier. That's basically where I see the, the market going over the next three to five years. 
Great. Well, Steve, Thanks, Steve, thank you. We appreciate your knowledge. And you know, you've been doing this for a long time. And I think the Metalworking Nation really needs to explore vending solutions if they if they haven't already done so. And you definitely understand the business and have brought something to us. Yeah, thanks, Steve. You, you really opened my mind up to the different ways that we can adopt this type of solution to any industry, quite frankly. Thank you. So Jim, did you learn something today? Are you are you are you ready for a vending machine yet? What do you think? Or do you need to stall uh, there's no your question in problems my, first and then we need to talk about there's it again? no question in my mind that something like this is going to be on my shop floor soon. I know you should call if you want to do that. Yeah, I bet. But you know I think that I have to really go back to my people, mm-hmm. discuss it. Because just like today, how Steve inspired me to think out of the box about the technology that's available and the different applications that are available, I think that if I sit down with my employees and tell them, because you know I have machinists in my shop that knew Iscar solid carbide end mill comes in, we order three from Zangers that hits UPS, he r- runs over, rips open the box, and takes one right out of the box and puts it in his toolbox because... Three weeks from now, he's going to be cutting some titanium, and won't that be nice? I I don't have to worry, because I got a fresh end mill. The thing is, the guy next week may need that end mill. We have no idea where the heck it's at. The nature of your business is that you're doing lower volume jobs, but you're starting to get more into the production, and so it might start to become more of a factor for you. Absolutely. So- how do people, how does the metalworking nation learn more about this technology, this automation, and about Steve? Like we talked about, I, I think if you need a solution, there are, like Steve said, there's very inexpensive solutions there. There's the old school candy or, or snack vending machines out there. But I, I think for most manufacturing leaders, if you're running a growing business, you need it's something. Called a, it's called a Helix machine. The, the Helix I look machine. back at my notes. I think, I think you need to have a solution that's going to drive cost savings that's going to really help you to take your company to the next level. And then you need something that is customized for your shop. And you need to work with somebody that really understands the industry and really can make it's sure that very you're specific. The right. It's a lot more yeah. specific than I ever thought it was. Yeah, it really yeah. is. There's a it lot really of different is. solutions there and, there's, and there's a lot of different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Like like we said, from RFID to Helix machines, which I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend to more of the, the robo and the related vending machines. Awesome. So with that, Jim... If you're not vending your tooling, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. That's a that's a great question. So obviously, I didn't, I didn't think of it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding.